Welcome to the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Podcast on Radio Free Nashville 107.1 and 103.7 and streaming live at RadioFreeNashville.org. We've also been taking this, and local organizers have been taking this, to their city councils, uh, to county boards, to, in some cases, state legislators, and, and saying and putting them into the form of a resolution and asking that city to vote on that resolution. And what that does is one, we're talking to, we're going out, we're not standing waiting for whoever's walking by, we're going out, we're making, we're, we're talking to people who we don't usually talk to, we're talking to city leaders. Um, and we have all been blown away by the success. We've had Baltimore was the first major city to come on, then Los Angeles, Washington DC, Tucson, Salt Lake City. Um, and and so slowly, you know, but surely, and I think we're, we're picking up speed now because, um, Initially, there's now cities can see that 58 have, have done so, that they're joining something, they're not sticking their necks out. Um, so we're picking up speed in terms of being able to demonstrate uh, public, public uh, support for this and then build political will to actually do something about it. That was Denise Duffield, Associate Director of Physicians for Social Responsibility, Los Angeles. And as such, she is the administrator and directs its Nuclear Threats Program, which advocates for health, protective policies related to nuclear weapons and nuclear energy. And we're going to hear more from Denise. But first, my name is Jim Walgamuth, and I'm here with fellow Vietnam veteran Harvey Bennett. Veterans for Peace is an international organization of military veterans and allies whose collective efforts are to build a culture of peace, humanity, equality, and justice. Just go to veteransforpeace.org. This radio show and podcast is on stations across the country thanks to the Pacifica Radio Network. We're also on SoundCloud, Anchor, Podcasts, Spotify, and on your phone podcast app. Just search veteransforpeace.org. The Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Radio Free Nashville are supported in part by the Green Party of Tennessee bringing some common sense into the bipolar world of American politics. Go to greenpartyoftennessee.org. Okay. So while the mainstream media, YouTube, Twitter, and other platforms are censoring voices of activism and dissent, we will continue to share those voices, like our special guest today, Denise Duffield, who stands up against the establishment of the military, industrial, congressional, media, corporate, on and on establishment. And if you are as tired of marching and protesting and carrying signs and waving flags only to be ignored, then this clearly is the show for you. Here is Denise Duffield, who is Associate Director, who is Associate Director for Physicians for Social Responsibility. And as such, she is the administrator and directs its nuclear threats program which advocates for health protective policies related to nuclear weapons and nuclear energy. And we did ask Denise to come on today to talk specifically about back from the brink, but there's some people that are gonna be out there that are not familiar with Physicians for Social Responsibility. So Denise, could you start off by saying a little bit about the organization you work for, the, what you do, some of the projects. I know I was reading something about the Santa Susana 
field laboratory and your efforts um, and frustrations. And this 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 um, wonderful lady by the name of Melissa. So, uh, Denise, go for it. Start from the top here. So, um, Physicians for Social Responsibility was founded with really a singular mission, which was um, to protect public health from nuclear weapons, nuclear war. Um, there was a, a group of doctors that got together in the 60s and looked at what would happen um, if a, a nuclear bomb, I think they used Boston as a study, as a, as a sample city, and basically you know, concluded that there's very little meaningful medical response to a nuclear war, that if you want to prevent a nuclear war, you have to, doctors had to step outside their, their clinical roles and get involved in advocacy. Um, one example that um, our board president, Dr. Bob Dodge uses a lot is just like burn beds, for example. We have, I think, and I'm gonna get the number wrong, but um, we, we have a certain amount of burn beds in the country and most of which are, are used that would be, wouldn't, there would not be nearly enough, uh, even for one city, for example. Uh, first responders wouldn't be able to come in because of radioactive fires. Um, the communication systems would be down. Um, there, there would be very difficulty in um, telling people even where to evacuate because you need to know which way the wind's blowing. Basically, that if we want to protect public health, protect our lives from nuclear weapons and nuclear war, we need to get involved in advocacy. And the best way to make sure that we're, we're protecting ourselves is to eliminate nuclear weapons. And that is not such a, a, a far-fetched idea. Um, folks should, should know. Um, the, the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, the UN Treaty, um, is, uh, went into um, force in September 2021. Two thirds of the world's countries um, voted for it, support this. So, um, and we and the U.S. is already um, obligated through the non-proliferation nuclear non-proliferation treaty to to uh, eliminate its nuclear arsenal. So that was the issue which PSR was founded upon. But then um, in the 80s, the late 80s, um, we expanded our mission to address other threats to, to human health and survival, such as climate change, exposure to toxic chemicals. Um, and really in our chapter in Los Angeles, really um, using a, a social determinants of health lens, which is a justice lens. Why is it that, you, that someone's zip code should determine their life expectancy? Why, if you live in one part of Los Angeles versus another, you, you're going to have a up to a 20 years difference in your life expectancy. So really um, looking at all of the work that we do with that justice angle, including nuclear weapons, which of course have made many nuclear frontline communities here new, near nuclear waste or weapons plants that are, that are impacted as well. So that is... Um, I think um, just a short little bit about Physicians for Social Responsibility and for social uh, PSRLA. Um, the Santa Susana Field Laboratory is a former nuclear and rocket engine site uh, located in the hills above the Simi and San Fernando Valleys, about 30 miles away from downtown Los Angeles. Um, it was chosen at the time, it was, it was founded in the late 40s. Um, originally, um, they were looking for a, a place to do nuclear research that would be away from populated areas. Um, Santa Susana, even at the time, ranked fifth out of six, but they chose it anyway because of its uh, how close it was for driving time to UCLA. Um, and so over, over the decades, there were 10 nuclear reactors there. There was a hot lab for reprocessing spent nuclear fuel. And there were many, many accident spills and releases, including most infamous, infamously the 1959 
partial nuclear meltdown of the sodium reactor. So this um, was many, it has been estimated to have been worse than Three Mile Island because there were no containment domes over the reactors. They intentionally vented the radiation uh, out into the atmosphere. Um, we know from the, the wind map that it went over both sides of the valley. Um, but over the years, it's not just the nuclear meltdown, it's there, was, there were radioactive fires, there was open air burning of radioactive contaminant co components. There were two other reactors that had accidents. Um, there were 30,000 at least rocket engine tests um, that resulted in incredible chemical contamination. And the site's on top of a hill, right? So that it, gravity wants to pull that stuff down. Um, we've had uh, numerous studies um, on the offsite population, first on the workers, um, and which found that, that the most exposed workers did have increased death rates of the kind of cancers you would expect based off of the kind of materials they were exposed to. Um, that there's a 60% increase in certain cancers the closer one lives to the site, um, that the, migrate, the, the contamination does migrate um, into on a hill and migrates over um, EPA levels of concern. So this is the first, um, was the first real pairing our organization did. Another model we had is pairing health professionals with impacted community members. So you have you know, the authoritative voice of the physician or the health professional with the lived experience of the person who is um, you know, near a polluted facility in, in this example. And that, um, it's, it's, it's a, <laughs> Santa Susana is a rabbit's hole. Um, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. It's the, we've got three responsible parties, Boeing, the Department of Energy, NASA. Um, we, it, the state right now is, the, is a regulator and is breaking, they're all breaking their promises to clean the site up. We have new pediatric cancers near the site. Melissa Bumstead, as you mentioned, is one mother who um, started meeting other member, other mothers at Children's Hospital in Los Angeles and started to connect the dots between the kind of rare cancers they had. Um, and has founded an organization, Parents versus Santa Susana, that is um, trying to fight for full cleanup. We've seen, unfortunately, um, too many of these kind of cancers. We have buried children. Um, and uh, we just had the anniversary of one of them uh, last week, Hazel Hammersley. So it's very real. It's 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 a different kind of fight. You know, the the um, you're you're really face to face with the human impact, and you're also face to face with with the polluters. Um, so so Hazel Hazel died. Yes. So how's the media? Uh, have they done their job reporting on this uh, travesty? Um, I, I we could all yes yes and no. Um, we have trouble getting into the papers that, that matter, such as the LA Times, but we have had some really good pieces um, written um, about in the last two or three years. Um, what we have going for us now in terms of exposure is a fantastic documentary called In the Dark of the Valley. Um, it aired on, uh, it was acquired by MSNBC last fall, but now it's going to be on April 11th, it's going on to Peacock, which is a free streaming service. So there'll be commercials. But on April 11th, In the Dark of the Valley will be um, available for folks to watch. And it's done, it's brought a lot of attention to the issue. It's extraordinarily well done. I did not, we've, I've, um, over the years, been through many interviews, many would be filmmakers trying to capture this story. And these fellows really did it. It's very powerful. So mm. April, let's listen to some of the trailer. The Susanna reactor started producing power early in November. Of a nuclear mishap that occurred near Los Angeles, Los Angeles. For the first time in the United States. Risks were taken. An entire community was illuminated by electricity. Toxic fallout. Generated by an atomic reactor. 
My name is John Pace. I was there at the time of the worst nuclear accident in the history of the United States. I thought we'd found a dream place. My girls loved playing in the creeks. Mom would say, come back before dinner. We didn't know what was really going on up there. Santa Susanna was selected to be away from populated areas. During that period, population just mushroomed around the laboratory. My students discovered that there had been a partial meltdown at a reactor. The first time Grace had cancer, we were meeting families. We'd just casually ask, oh, where are you from? And they'd say, we just live, you know, around the corner. We're going, how is it that so many of us live nearby? 20 years I was silent. My supervisor asked, can we tell our families what happened today? The three turned around real quick, staring me in the eyes. Nobody will say a word. From that point on, there was a cover-up of what happened. We had been hiding this giant secret. Accidents, spills, releases. These activities went on for decades. No one knew. Gravity carries that contamination downhill. Millions are learning about the contaminated field lab. Half a million people live within 10 miles of the site. Once you know, you have to do something. There are many Santa Susannas all across this country that threaten communities and have not been cleaned up. That is their style. We all had to start wrestling with the fact that maybe our children's cancers could have been avoided. People like Melissa will change the tide of this fight. I got up there and I was shaking my hand. How dare you do this to my community? You lied about this, Try to confuse all of us. We are a force to be reckoned with. Will anyone from your agency talk to us? I've said all I'm going to say. I've said nothing. There's an endemic problem with the whole system. What happens when you cut your corners on safety is you kill people. Our worst fear that if a fire ever happened at the lab, those contaminants could get to the public. The community needs to hear the truth, and we're the only ones who can do it. Three. It was just so much pressure. Two. I'm a very small person. One. Wow. And where can we find it? It's, it's available now streaming, but um, it will be available free um, on April 11th. Okay, but it's That's available right now for streaming? Yes, and, you can and, watch it on Hulu Plus, or you can watch it on an MSNBC or NBC app. Like if you have YouTube TV, and there's an NBC app, MSNBC app, I think it's also, um, and I can send you a link later in case there's any online posting. Um, I think it's just NBC.com slash in the dark of the valley. Um, might get you there. Again, there'll be commercials, which is kind of a bummer. <laughs> for some yeah. reason, it's easier for me to watch commercials on TV than it is on a computer. I'm like, oh, hurry up. <laughs> I know. Santa well, Susanna is the name of the facility? The Santa Susanna Field Laboratory. That seems uh, rather uh, desecration by, by itself. <laughs> so, so, so we've got to look up that documentary for sure to get more of the personal right. aspect but how how did you get involved uh, how long have you been been working um uh for physicians and how did you get involved i've been working at uh, uh psr la it's our, our shorthand for the organization since 2004 um i actually didn't come on as a as an organizer or as an advocate i, I initially came on in an administrative role um, director of development and through that work you know we we host a lot of events a lot of membership events and the thing that really 
got me and where it became much, much more to me than a job was um, a doctor by the name of Dr. Jim Yamazaki. Um, get emotional to think about him. He had the most incredible story. He um, is a veteran. He was a, 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 a combat surgeon in World War II at the age of 33. Um, he was captured he, by the Germans. He was a prisoner of war. He had all kinds of, um, you know, the kind of experiences that you would expect in, in battle and the horrors that he saw when he came back after the war. He was as thrilled as anybody. Um, the war was over. Still had trouble even in, even in his um, you know military uniform um, being still some some racism um, against Japanese Americans. In fact, he said goodbye to his parents in an internment camp on his way to go fight World War II in, in the war. Um, and then they, he was assigned to be the head of the Atomic Casualty Commission in Nagasaki to start to study the effects of radiation on on the Japanese and particularly on children. And um, he has a book called, I think, uh, Children of the Atomic Bomb, which sort of talks about his experiences. So Jim um, Yamazaki, uh, at, despite the horrors that he experienced um, with racism here, with, with what he saw and experienced in the war, with what he saw in Nagasaki, just radiates love. He, he just radiated love, um, wanting to prevent this from happening to other people. Um, he just died a few years ago, I think, over, well, lived well over 100. Um, and so he, his, he touched me, something stirred in me when he talked about the people that he met, when he talked about the impacts um, and the way that he was able to sort of combine the science, what, what the effects of radiation are in health with sort of the morality of children and just, um, and to do it all in a way that was incredibly, um, um, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, but Jim is the one that made this be more than a job for me, and made and and also just watching the Hibakusha, the atomic bomb survivors who would come to our events, basically re relive the most uh, horrifying experience of their life, over and over and over again, telling their stories, only so that it won't happen to anybody else. That's what got me. We wanted to bring you on to talk about the back from the brink effort, because I was just thinking, you know, uh, we, there's so many people and Harvey and I are some of them, I'm sure you are, you go out in March and you're waving a flag or a sign or something that like that calling for whatever as veterans for peace, we're always waving our flags and having signs advocating for peace. And, uh, you know, what I've noticed, and I think Harvey will agree, that nobody's paying attention. Or if they're paying attention, they're also ignoring and trying to wait us out. Uh, and so that's why I think this effort that you're, that you're leading, um, this back from the brink, is different. And it's important. And it's important because you actually get something done. Absolutely. Um, this is um, really particularly with my background as, I, as a local organizer around Santa Susana, um, a whole lot of light bulbs went off for me when, when I first experienced this campaign. What, what the Back from the Brink is today is a, a US-based coalition of organizations, individuals, and elected officials working on a multi-year campaign um, to abolish nuclear weapons 
and to and we also have uh, four of the policies that we advocate for sort of a set of what we call common sense policy solutions. And they are that the US should renounce the option of using nuclear weapons first, that the president uh, should not have the sole authority, unchecked authority to launch a nuclear weapon, that nuclear weapons should be taken off of hair trigger alert, and very, very, very important right now that we cancel the plan to rebuild the entire nu nuclear arsenal, uh, this quote unquote modernization um, plan. And that's this, this and the, uh, the abolition is represented through um, our policy is basically that we want the US to lead um, multilateral negotiations among nuclear armed states to eliminate their arsenals. And what we've been taking this suite of um, common sense policy solutions, not to, to organizations, we have over 400 organizations that have endorsed, um, Veterans for Peace is one of them. Um, we have you know, faith, environmental, uh, justice, peace, um, um, all kinds of different groups, national and local. But we've also been taking this, and local organizers have been taking this to their city councils, uh, to county boards, to in some cases state legislators, and, and saying and putting them into the form of a resolution and asking that city to vote on that resolution. And what that does is one, we're talking to, we're going out, we're not standing waiting for whoever's walking by, we're going out, we're making, we're, we're talking to people who we don't usually talk to, we're talking to city leaders. And the resolutions um, have a whole series of whereases. There, there, there's also a whole lot of public education and awareness that's needed around this issue. And those can happen. Um, local organizers on the ground will customize their resolutions to talk maybe if there's a nuclear weapons production area nearby, if they have a strong Marshallese community or Habakusha community um, to talk about, we can, we can calculate exactly how much that town spends on nuclear weapons and tax dollars. Um, and it's fascinating for me, to, you know, I watched the videos of the hearings. First of all, just to see somebody talking about nuclear weapons that I don't know, that's not us, is amazing. Um, but that, but that there's real debate, and and folks have to decide. They don't, they they can't ignore it. It's in front of them. They have to vote on it. Um, and we have all been blown away by the success we've had. Baltimore was the first major city to come on. Then Los Angeles, Washington D.C., Tucson, Salt Lake City, um, recently Boston, Minneapolis, uh, small towns too, and then uh, there's some other big ones I'm missing. Philadelphia, um, and. These resolutions, the last part of the resolution says uh, this resolution will be sent to our congressional delegation and to the president. Organizers in that area then can begin to can go to their congressional representative, and this is this is the hope, this is the goal with more organizing in the area and say, hey, um, these organizations in your district, these cities in your district, this in some cases county or in case of California, Oregon, um, New Jersey, and Maine, state. Um, supports this and wants you to champion this. And, and so slowly, you know, but surely, and I think we're, we're picking up speed now because um, initially there's, now cities can see that 58 have, have done so, that they're joining something, they're not sticking their necks out. Um, so we're picking up speed in terms of being able to demonstrate uh, public, public uh, support for this and then build political will to actually do something about it. That's impressive that you've gotten that much. And how long has this campaign been going now? It was started in the fall of 2017. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
And it's, you know, it's, it's, it is largely volunteer. It's a collaborative effort. It was designed not to be owned by any group or any, any individual. We've recently um, tried to build some infrastructure to, to help with the sustainability, to have a coalition and have coalition agreements. And we have, you know, now want, you know, organizations can step up their engagement by becoming coalition partners. But we're also um, now in order to you know, pick it up, we have to pick it up to meet the moment. I mean, the moment we're in right now is pretty darn horrifying. So where could um, someone get the templates for some of these resolutions they wanted to try to peddle it among their council people? Preventnuclearwar.org. Okay. That is the website and there's a section under um, our advocacy tools, which I think are under the take action um, button. And that's where we have sample resolutions. What's also really cool on the website is um, that we have uh, under the who's on board, um, you can go to the municipalities and states and you can, and there's a little seal for each city. You can click on it and see the actual resolution that was adopted. Um, you know, Bloomington, Indiana is different from uh, Salem, you know, which, which was uh, passed, uh, Worcester, Massachusetts just passed one. They, are, they all have support for the five policies. Uh, many of them, most of them include support for the, um, the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Some mm -hmm. include divestment, some <clears throat> making the city a nuclear weapons free zone. So, um, and the other thing is folks can always reach out to us and, and we'll help. The other thing we're, we've, we're um, implementing now is more of a, a distributed organizing system where we'll, ha we'll have hubs in different parts of the country and folks can step up and say, I wanna be a hub. I know two people in my organization um, wants to be a hub and, and take this on and start working on this campaign in our area. I'm sure you're aware of the recent polls that showed that an astounding percentage of the population, a majority of the population polled are either very or extremely concerned about a nuclear attack because yeah. of all this dire situation with Russia and US, NATO, Ukraine, all that. <clears throat> that might make a good whereas right there. <laughs> yeah, no, this is this. Is, and, you know, we, we want to, um, of course, there's, there's, there's folks trying to use this to go the opposite direction, say, well, we need more weapons, um, which <clears throat> makes no sense at all. But I think in terms of the issue reemerging in public consciousness, it's a really important time um, mm -hmm. that that be because, you know, the polls are amazing and you can go to your congressman with the poll. But right. it's real personal when it's like not this isn't just a poll of the country. This is your district, dude, <laughs> or dude, as, as it were, um, that that there's pressure that, that we build power and actually can apply that in pressure. No change, no real meaningful change um, happens because it's a good idea or because it makes sense or even because there's a poll. It's because people right. demand action. Right. When people endorse or when uh, cities endorse, when councils endorse, they're endorsing the pursuit of global elimination. They're yeah. endorsing no first use. They're endorsing taking it, taking authority out away from the president alone. They're endorsing ending hair trigger alert. And they're saying uh, they're endorsing cutting of the budget or saying, no to new nuclear weapons. Is that's that right. about right? Yeah, that's right. No, eliminate the weapons we have. We have to begin that in with, again, multilateral negotiations. I want to make that very clear. Um, but not certainly not building new ones and not right. to the 
the, the amount of money is is um, sinful to use a, a, a word, but it, it is, um, especially at the time when there's so many people hurting. I think that's the other thing um, mm -hmm. that I, I wanted to to say that we're trying to do is really work with other movements because in and of ourselves, we're still a pretty small group of people, but nuclear weapons, in my opinion, are a, a symptom of a disease of a really troubled right. system and not the disease itself. And if we want to change that system and we want to alleviate the suffering of so many people also caused by an, the injustice um, in our system with you know, systemic racism, um, you know, environmental degradation, climate change, we have to join arms with one another. So we're calling on folks to come out on June 18th to Washington DC for the Poor People's Campaign Moral March. Um, Poor People's Campaign has nuclear abolition as part of their policy platform. Um, we want to, it is led by low-income and low-wage people, but we are um, what are referred to as moral allies. And I really am hoping that we can get the folks that are already on board with nuclear disarmament, the nuclear, nuclear, nuclear abolition activists, to show up that day too and to try to you know, really unite our voices. It will be um, just a few days after the 40th anniversary of the big Central March, New York um, Central Park March, where they had a million people out. Well, let's make that million people be persistent, you know, the, the kind of a, a change that we want to see in this country based off of values, based off of love and compassion and um, um, join together to, to make, I can't see a world that um, in which we've dealt with climate change, for example, that still has nuclear weapons. I can't see a world right. in which we've dealt with income inequality and still has nuclear weapons. So yeah. we're gonna be okay. reaching out to all of our 400 endorsing organization, organizations, asking those folks to please become mobilizing partners or get their, their folks out there too. Okay. Um, there'll be buses uh, that they're organizing throughout the country. And I really think this is, um, this this needs to be uh, uh, not a one-off, you know, but but right. an, an inflection point. Do you think? Uh, and I'm this is an obvious question, but do you think the chaos in Ukraine and Russia putting announcing that their nuclear uh, weapons are on alert, and with the United States and NATO with nuclear weapons um, close to Russia and on submarines? Do you think all of this? has generated a little bit more awareness? Well, um, in terms of the resolutions, certainly the, the, the Salem resolution, many of this, the um, residents and city council people spoke about um, Ukraine as, as a, a motivating factor. Um, and so I hope that it will. You know, we, yeah. we, we, we're, still, we're still in this. <laughs> um, and I, when I'm, you know, people have short attention spans. And so <laughs> I always wonder if like, we're already you know, past the moment. I know. Uh, but, but I think, um, you know, we we can we can remind people that the moment A isn't over and B, um, this issue isn't going anywhere. And you know, the thing that's the funniest to me about it, it's not funny, but um, all the people that ask, what can we do? You know, what can we do now? And I'm like, nothing. The time to do something is before the nuclear threat is at your door. And it's really hard to get people to care about something that they can't see or feel or touch that isn't impacting them. In the same way, perhaps that like the pandemic or, or the climate climate is, yeah. um, but the time to take action is with nuclear weapons is now because when by the time we're in a crisis like this, there really isn't much folks can do except for hopefully make a vow. And uh, next time I hear Denise <laughs> speak and ask me to get involved, I'm going to say yes. And 
You are listening to our interview with Denise Duffield, Associate Director of Physicians for Social Responsibility and the Back from the Brink campaign. So how would you tell them, how would you tell just a person in Paducah, Kentucky, how, mm-hmm. how do they start? Well, in terms of Back from the Brink, you can go to our website and the first thing you can do is, is you know, get on the list. There's a little join button there. Um, if you go to endorse, there's another um, uh, place where you can sign up to get on our list, but also a box. I want to do more um, regarding hubs and we will, we will reach out to that person. If that person knows two or three people in Paducah that want to also get involved in this, you're talking about already having a hub there. You could talk about now being able to go out to other organizations that you know and see if they support, the, you know, talk to them about nuclear weapons, talk to them about our five policy plan, uh, points. Uh, churches, for example, it's something you'd raise the other nine. Um, then you now have a group. Now your hub is grown and you've got some organizations. You've got Veterans for Peace. Maybe there's a, um, a couple uh, churches nearby, some other civic organizations or progressive groups. Um, you, you know, you can go to your city council say we, we have this resolution. It's, it's not easy in certain parts of the country for sure, um, but you're still having a conversation. You're still bringing your concerns. As I tell people, they're your representatives on any level, whether it's um, city state, they're called representatives because they represent you. And um, that's, that's sort of, and, and we, will, we will help. There's, you know, info at preventnuclearwar.org. And we try to hook people up with people we know in the, in the area and sort of put, um, be like sort of that connective tissue, if you will, <laughs> you know, um, for, for, for getting folks in touch with it. We, we recently, our tagline used to be, um, used to be back from the brink, the call to prevent nuclear war. And we've changed that recently to be more accurately describe what we do, which is back from the brink, bringing communities together to abolish nuclear weapons. And that bringing of the communities together is part of what we hope will also allow for activities to, to be sustained um, independent of resolution efforts and also um, really help break down the silos between movements. Because um, that happens on the local level. You're yeah. starting with the, the fact that you live at the same place. You already have something in common. You have materials for people who would want to do a presentation to uh, a group at their church or community? We, we do. Um, you're reminding me I need to update them now that we have a new tagline. but. Um, under the uh, that advocacy tools, which is under take action, there's a tab on there called um, oh, load up organizing materials, and there is a sample, there is a uh, there's a uh, PowerPoint there um, and, a, and a script. Um, I will note that it needs to be updated, but it's um, still, yeah. it's still um, it, everything there is still true. It just doesn't have the the. Most yeah. I'm a member of a local. Catholic parish here in Charleston, South Carolina, and the bishop who was in Charleston is the bishop for the entire state of South Carolina, five and a half million people. Mm. So I've been, I think I might have sent a draft of my letter I'm writing to the bishop, trying to uh, talk about the, you know, what I see as a moment of real peril, and, uh, and trying to lay out you know the history of the catholic church and the pope's uh unwavering call for elimination of nuclear weapons and the u.s conference of catholic bishops as well all very strong positions and uh, to try to get him um, i'm just trying to uh i think i just said you know i beseech you but 
at this moment of peril to use your moral authority to uh, encourage and empower not only Catholics, but all people of goodwill to take it. Archbishop Wester in, in Santa Fe, of course, yeah. Yeah. right? It's very, very powerful. The the faith community yeah. just brings so much to this issue and to to, to many social justice issues. Right. And I did notice on the uh, U.S. Catholic uh, Conference of Catholic Bishops, they have a section on nuclear uh, weapons, and they have uh, actually uh, <clears throat> like a forty-minute film. It includes uh, <clears throat> interviews with people like uh, Sam Nunn and William Perry and kissing all these people. And these are these are all um, <clears throat> designed for you know discussion and prayer and things like that. But right. I guess it's a two session thing. But that looked like a really good. But again, it needs updating. Doesn't have the the DPNW on there for one thing. Oh yeah, yeah. But there's stuff out there, and you know I feel like that's you know. Mm -hmm. uh, opportunity at least need to try harvey mentioned it tpnw um of course what you're doing is right um right in and in, in, in cooperation with the efforts behind the tpnw uh and so we have a a, a man here in tennessee ralph hutchison Yes, I know Ralph. Okay, of course. Hey, Ralph, Ralph and I both serve on the board of the Alliance for Nuclear Accountability. All right. right. Yeah. So, um, so you know that that seems to all work together. Ralph calls this the TPNW a a, a real game changer with regard to nuclear weapons. So w when we're asking for a council person or somebody to endorse. I, I guess it's important to bring up that this would also support the ban treaty, the uh, yep. TPNW. Yep, yep. That's that is you know there's the all the whereases and then there's the let it be resolved and we have the fight from the bring points and then there's a second let it be resolved, and some of the resolutions call for embracing that we'll use a word like embrace because it, it just um, it doesn't get into specifics. It allows the city council to just you know sort of get used to the um, concept of abolition and treaties. Sometimes they get um, intimidated by them doing something about something international. Um, mm -hmm. We want them to wrap their head around, you know, nuclear abolition first, but almost all of the back from the brink resolutions do include uh, let it be resolved, let, that is a, in support of the treaty. And what that means is that these resolutions not only go build up back from the brink number of cities that are joining board, but they also, that city then gets to join hundreds of cities worldwide, hundreds worldwide that are part of the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons um, cities appeal. Mm -hmm. And I should also mention while we're doing this that um, we also try to encourage people um, if they can um, to see if their mayor will join Mayors for Peace, which really is what began this, you know, really yeah. was doing local organizing before, mm -hmm. long before um, Back from the Brink um, and sort of try to um, really work um, in, in synchronicity with, with each other. Yeah, I started a petition here with citizens just to take that petition, get whenever I get enough signatures, which means getting out into public, which is still a little bit iffy. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, to, if I can get if I can get several hundred signatures, then I can take that to the council, which can take it to the mayor, or just take it right to the mayor and see if we'll join mayors for peace. So I got 
that started. There's more support out there than I think folks think. Yeah. I, I really do. Um, and though you know, those two senators joined with a 300 and over 318 other ones to send a letter to Biden uh, and members of Congress um, calling for bold action on nuclear policy. Now we've got the nuclear policy <laughs> review, and, and bold it is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Veterans for Peace. Um, of course, you guys have an amazing um, nuclear posture review that I wish was the one that we were talking about. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that. Thank you for that compliment, because Harvey and I worked on that, right, Harvey? Well, you did a paragraph, uh, and I did. Come on. Yeah, we. So we were one of many, but. What What do you see as the biggest stumbling block, Denise? What? Why? This seems so obvious, but why? uh, Why will some uh, officials? Uh, and I, I know there's a lot of officials that are in the, in, in the pocket of the military industrial complex mm-hmm. um, and the nuclear industrial complex. But why would just a lot of officials just not join into this? A lot of officials just not join into this just from a symbolic standpoint. I stand for peace. I stand against nuclear war. Those are good things. I think, you know, two things or maybe three things. One, for those who there's people don't a lot of times even our elected officials don't know very much about nuclear weapons. They don't know that um, we we use a tactical nuke here. It sounds like it's a small thing, how that escalates. They don't know the devastation that is wrought even by the production of nuclear weapons. Um, And some of them who do know a little bit more might believe in something called is, you know, deterrence theory, which is a, a myth. Um, deterrence is, uh, I have my weapons and you have your weapons and that ensures that we aren't going to use them because, you know, that's, that's craziness. Um, we are here not because of deterrence. We are here because of luck. There have been so many near misses over the, the course of the, the nuclear age. I was, and- I was really taken by Zia's uh, comments about the uh, annual global thunder exercise and the, and the uh, comparable thing they do in Russia and how every time the end is the same, yeah. nuclear holocaust. Yeah, the, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work out. And so, I, but I think even more so is that they aren't hearing from enough of us. And part of that is that we, uh, we need to talk to more people and, and mm-hmm. sort of build that people power. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's what we're trying to do, you know, with back from the brink, and to get the the folks who 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 do feel that way to to say so and to, and to endorse and put put their name down um, for it. So I think um, that that piece of public awareness and public education, bringing that to our elected officials, particularly hearing it from all kinds of voices, hearing from veterans, hearing from students, hearing from faith leaders, hearing from you know, social justice activists, from climate activists, hearing from unions, hearing from business at one point, you know, at some point I want to have a back from the brink, you know, thing that people, stores can put in their, their storefront there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, the, that, that we start, then, then you, then now your job depends on taking action. Now, uh, uh, representative so-and-so, you want to keep your job? This is what we want you to do. So we can, we can take care of, uh, well, probably all three, but hearing from constituents, um, that would be part of this back from the brink um, effort. Uh, 
if we can get a, just a, several people, several groups of like-minded, peace-oriented uh, people going to a uh, council member, um, going to a uh, state a general assembly person or um, whatever. And when each one of those people signs, when each one of those elected official signs, I bet you somebody in a newspaper actually takes note, don't they? Mm -hmm. uh, if, if, if we get the word out, that's the other thing we have to do and be better about is, is getting um, yeah. um, the word out. But it, it, you know, it, I, what I think is, I think there's going to be a threshold. I think um, we, are, we are kind of a sleeper campaign right now. We're adding cities. Cities are coming on board. People are coming on board. And more and more of this is building. And there's a point where we will cross a threshold and the conversation will begin to change. And it can only happen through these, these pieces that happen through this city councilor, through this city over here, through this organization getting involved. That is sort of building up to um, what will be in the US a game changer, just as the TPNW is globally. We need to have that here, US based. You know, it, every this is really fascinating because, and, I, and it's something that I've really learned is really interesting how local, how different it is from place to place. So for Los Angeles, you know, we have council members that represent a district, and we have some that we have relationships with. So we can work with one council member. That council member might get a co-sponsor, and they bring it to the council. They won't do that if they haven't, if they're not sure they have the votes, and the mayor has nothing to do with it. He will sign the resolution or not. Um, other city, like I in Santa Monica, where I live, the mayor is part of the city council. Um, okay. So I could go directly to her and say, will you introduce this? Um, and so it's really works differently in some um, some cities they are not called resolutions they are called uh, memorials. So it's really sort of it, it also is folks are getting to know how their local city government works. But usually it starts with a city council member. Um, one that you've approached that is either your representative or who you feel might be sympathetic. And then that person can either talk to another person or say, you might want to talk to this person and then they will get it on the agenda for the, for the city council. And, you know, sometimes um, in some cases, a lot of uh, grassroots lobbying is necessary, um, particularly for the state resolutions. So trying to get folks to write to the representative and say, Hey, this is coming up. You're going to be asked to vote on this. I want you to say yes. Um, sending a letter in support. Back from the brink, we'll send a letter of support to any city um, that is considering a resolution. So if you get something on there, we will send a letter, you know, telling them about the other cities. Um, there are other groups that will send, you can Veterans for Peace will write a letter of support. So if it's in a situation where you're not sure you have all the votes and you know you're going to need to bring more power to it, we will help. And you can, you know, get people writing in and again, letters of support um, so that by the time it comes up for the vote, you're going to have a good, you're going to have a good end, a good, <laughs> you're going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So I make a couple of contacts and let you, let you all know what I'm doing and I could get, I could pull your support in just to give them a, a little bit of a backbone as they go yeah. um, to, to the other council members. And, you know, I was, you know, Bill Perry is somebody that we also talk about, too, who's you know, endorsed the campaign. They're looking for, you know, uh, um, a different kind of voice um, on it. But um, constituents, some, particularly if you have enough of them, um, often are is 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 effective because, again, we mm -hmm. they're elected officials. They work for us. If enough of us tell them what we want, they need to do it. 
How many how many times have you spoken in front of a uh, city council? On this particular matter, um, I've been involved with two resolution efforts, the Los Angeles one and the Santa Monica one. I um, hope to now start doing a lot more. I mean, a lot of my efforts went into, you know, really being part of this national effort and getting it off the ground. And we'll be working in it with the Southern California hub. In my other work through Santa Susana, I can't even count. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, you know, through, through the years going to city councils, to the to the our Ventura County, Los Angeles County, to um, you know state legislature. Um, I don't know how many. You know, I've heard different uh, opinions because my go-to is always to uh, try to uh, portray the the horror of a nuclear exchange. You know, and uh, and. But a lot of people say fear is not a very effective tool in getting people to act. What, what's your sentence on that? It's a tough one because on one hand, and we face this a lot as physicians for social responsibility because that's part of what we need to do is to tell people, look, this is what will happen. Right. Medically, we have, you know, it's called, the, and sometimes the, doc, the doctors will call it the bomb run where they right. go through the whole thing. I've seen some of their films that show yeah. that. I think this was over Tampa or something. They had these different so radios. Through, like at this point, the temperature is this degree. Yeah, right. Everything is flammable. It all catches on yeah. fire. Now we've got winds. Now we've got, you know, all the yeah. um, glass shattering, all right. of these things. It can, it can paralyze people. Right. Um, the message that, that, that's said after that is very important. Like, but this doesn't have to be. Um, right. I think we're hearing a lot of messaging uh, advice about talking about the future that that's impactful talking about a nuclear weapons free future. So if we can sort of pair this, right. like this is why, because we'll have we have to have hope. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky balance. It sure yeah. is. A little bit like the climate change. Yeah. <laughs> I am very, I am worried, but I put my mind in terms of, you know, talking about being getting shut down. I mean, I would get that, that kind of worry can be paralyzing as well. So I'm trying to take the worry and channel it into action and just, you know, compartmentalize, um, do a little bit of compartmentalizing so I can separate that, that, that fear and just let it become just, and again, trying to keep a, a, a positive tone in the outreach about the kind of world that we can have and the, mm -hmm. the kind of changes that would come along with a world without nuclear weapons. It would be a different world in a lot of different ways. Well, you know, I think a lot about uh, a webinar that I uh, saw last summer. I think it was uh, Kings Bay Plowshares, but they were talking about a group of people who went to uh, the uh, occupied West Bank and talking to Palestinians and wanting to know, you know, what they could do to help change the situation. <clears throat> and uh, one woman said, a Palestinian man, an elderly man just said, go home and get to know your neighbor. And I think a big part of this country is we don't know our neighbors. That's right. We've lost that sense of community that it, you keep saying that's where it has to start. Yeah. There are already made type communities, but we also could try to build some community that's not there. Yeah, yeah. That's the only way we're going to share this message that back from the brink is trying to um, 
encourage. Uh, yeah, it's, low, it's, it's all about local organizing. Yeah. Um, they, the, the part of what got so me so excited about and me getting involved with the national campaign was just the, how vastly different um, the issue was talking to local people and local city council person versus the, the kind of advocacy we do on the federal level. It was so, uh, it was so um, encouraging, um, but it was also sort of light bulbs going off, things you already know, but you like really learn it again because you're doing it, which is, it's all, <laughs> this is a local issue. Um, nuclear weapons are a local issue mm -hmm. and the advocacy needs to be local and it is through the local organizing that we build up for national change. And I noticed on the webinar, relationship kept being repeated as the key. Yeah. Through relationships right. that things happen. And these relationships, they we want them to be sustainable. So if you're um, working with a faith group that is also that is doing something um, on another social justice issue and they have event you turn out for them yeah um, we don't have to be in all places at once we don't have to like take on every issue to the right. same level but we need to to stand with each other particularly during um, key moments or key events mm -hmm. or key um you know, measures that might be coming up in the city council. It may be that the tenants' right group um, has something coming up and you want to stay there and support them for that. How, how hard is it? You know, you, you stay 10 minutes, you make a three-minute statement, but you, 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 those relationships can be sustained. Right. That that's, a, that's a great point. You come out for each other because then you come out for somebody else, they'll come out for you. And right. you have that community. You've, you're yeah. building this sense. And, and, you know, it's... Um, <laughs> Yeah. Some places already got something going on and some places are just getting stuff started. And so everybody's kind of in a different place. But um, again, we're trying to be that that connective tissue as best as we can be. Yeah. Now, if somebody in a it, we'll go back to Paducah, if somebody in Paducah is trying to reach out and uh, talk to neighbors and friends and whatever, and uh, uh, just not making the progress that he'd like to make. Uh, or she'd like to make, uh, can they call on you to call on back from the brink, either you or somebody to get on a zoom like this and help, help give the words for the program that maybe the, the local organizer yeah. just does a little. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we want to, um, you know, do presentations to some of the membership organizations as well, but, um, we have experts among our ranks. Um, it did some folks are motivated. It, it really they care a lot more about what their next door neighbor thinks than about what you know somebody with um, letters after their names thinks. But others are just the opposite. They 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 want to hear it. Um, we're hoping some of these these elected officials, state and uh, local elected officials, will also um, be <clears throat> champions. But we're we're here to help. All right, that that that's awesome. It's a, a an organization that's that's really putting putting themselves out there on the line for the sake of us. And um, I really think this is so much more, has so much more potential than just calling for a group of people to come out and wave their flags and their signs as the people come by honking their horns with several of them yelling, get a job. Um, so, uh, you know, so I think for, for, for all of us who are just so frustrated and are tired of creating signs and that nobody reads, tired of waving flags at people 
don't recognize. And this really makes a whole lot of sense um, as far as doing something where you can actually feel fulfilled and not so frustrated. All right. Well, very good. This has been, this has been wonderful and helpful. And, um, you know, for the past, oh, three or four months, Harvey and I have just had people coming on talking about war and whose fault and what's the next step and how are we going to predict? And, uh, you know, it's good, good information, especially around the water cooler, but this actually gives people <clears throat> something to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we haven't had a lot of shows that really focus on organizing and action that way. Yeah, that's what we what we got to do. If we have the courage of our conviction, sometimes it's scary. I get nervous. I get nervous before I, I got nervous before I spoke today. I like, butterfly. Yeah. But you just you you, you <laughs> your um, courage comes through through yeah. values. Yeah. Yep. Well, awesome. So how can people how can people reach out to you i uh well i can give you my email address it's um, my first initial with my last name so d-u-f-f-i-e-l-d at p-s-r-la.org i would just again leave it the website preventnuclearwar.org um, we've got lots of information there and um, info at preventnuclearwar.org to get a, a hold of us. Um, we're here to help. That was Denise Duffield, Associate Director of Physicians for Social Responsibility and leader of the Back from the Brink campaign. Remember the website, preventnuclearwar.org. Okay, as you know, we always end with a song and we asked Denise who wanted a song she had heard at a Poor People's Campaign rally. But we couldn't find that particular song, so I asked for an alternative, and she said, well, why not Dancing in the Street by Martha and the Vandellas? And so let's get out there. Let's contact our representatives and our community organizers, and let's get those endorsements to end our nuclear nightmare. Let's actually do something. Then we can truly dance in the streets.